0: Talk right now about hope. 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 On on this stage last year, um, Christopher Reeve said, Don't give up, don't lose hope, don't sell out. And it was amazing listening to him say it in a wheelchair, not being able to breathe himself, to tell us not to lose hope and not to uh, sell out. But, you know, we go home and we get back into our life and it's a hard day and we start to give up hope and we wake up despairing. And I imagine you two do also at times. So what do you do in your lives? How do you keep your own hope alive?
1: (laughs) Gaston.
2: Hmm. Um, actually, i, I actually, This sounds so. This really. This sounds so pedestrian, but this is the real. This is so true. I actually really do have a lot of faith. That's number one. Great, big, huge. Um, I don't meditate, but I pray. Right. I'm too impatient to meditate. I have, I have spiritual hyperactivity. <laughs> I <laughs> do. I have spiritual ADD. I can't do it. <laughs> I just pray. I can't kind of function that way. And let me see. Um, I do, I genuinely, really do have a deep trust of, I have a very intimate God period. And that's just what's true. I have an intimate God. Yeah. And so when I, when I say to, to audiences, when I say to you, I want you to think about the one fear that you hold the most that has so much control or, or when I talk to you about speaking angel fluently or whatever, honest to God, that comes from my inner life. You know, it comes from the way I live beh- when I'm not around you. That is the way I live. And, uh, and I'm, really able, I'm able to look at you and say that. That is absolutely the way. And, I, and I'm so direct now, huh, I would tell you you know I'd tell you for a fact, if I was not living congruently.
1: I think that uh, one of the things I've always been shocked at is uh, how many people who have given a great deal to the world, and I'm thinking of Carolina, and, but also Maya Angelou, who I've had extended conversations with, who have almost a pathological inability to feel anything but hope. Even though despair comes to them and knocks on the door, don't leave it in the door. Don't allow it in to take hold. So I keep it outside. I think that, um, I would agree with you, I'm a natural melancholic, I've been melancholy all of my life. I think to see the way that I see and the way that Carolina sees, you can't not be. To see human suffering and the depth of it that we see, it's very hard not to have a certain form of um, melancholy that goes with it. But melancholy is different than despair. I always think of melancholy as a creative form of depression.
2: Good thing you're a wordsmith. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think maybe I should write a book about like it. Think. a creative form <laughs> okay. of depression. It's got a certain something. Yes, well, there's there's de- <laughs> Can I, I like it. There's depression I have a that is depression.
1: paralytic. <laughs> I
2: like paralytic it. depression is <laughs> not what no, we're doing. Really, I I like it. It's, it's good. Carolina,
1: <laughs> Carolina and I are Catholic girls. And so we have a faith system that we were born into, it's like an ethnicity, not like a practice exactly, although certainly there are practices to it. So my folder here that I brought out with me on stage has the prayer that I always read before I come on stage, which is the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious virgin mother, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection or implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, and before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And before I came here, I ask that each of you be filled always with hope. Always. And I carry this in every place I go and say this prayer every day, anytime I have to speak to people that are more than just you know, a friend or a relative, because in part it's protection for me against despair that other people carry, because despair is a little bit viscous, you know, like stuff that people wipe on you. <laughs> <laughs> That was just love.
2: I love someone a lot to let them do that.
1: <laughs> you probably don't know our relationship. I'm in Carolina's madrina, I'm her godmother. And so I get to do that, but not otherwise.
0: <laughs> I like what you said about melancholy. Um, Yeah, I'm all for melancholy. Um, One of my teachers, who's a Tibetan master, he's no longer alive, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, he called that the warrior's heart of sadness. And it didn't translate that well from Tibetan. It doesn't really mean sadness, but he's about what you were talking about. And he always taught about how those times in life when you bottom out through loss or through love or the great uh, spiritual What do you call them? Uh, spiritual crises ah. When you lose everything and lo and behold in those moments of loss you find your indestructible inner core I'm sure many of you have had those and I imagine you too have as well Could you uh, <laughs> tell us one of those and what happened? How you found your core in hard in times of trouble.
1: Do you have all night and day or what?
2: Yeah. How much
0: time does she want? I don't know. Want? She just want one? One. And, and Per the, minute? The cliff notes version of it. Go ahead.
1: You go, you're younger.
2: Oh God. Let me see, a spiritual crisis, but the That's day pretty good, ends with why I can find one. Let me see, well there's so many, um, the loss of my brother was certainly one that took the wind out of my sails, I have my other brother here, but we lost our brother. That was a really ferocious spiritual crisis for me. Um, and I think, so it, I think in a way, it doesn't really, uh, it's better perhaps to define what it, a spiritual crisis is rather than you don't need examples, what I, I don't think. I think maybe it's more valuable for me to say that in my life what causes me to go into a tailspin, what causes a, what I would call a spiritual crisis for me, is when I, um, like anybody else, you set your course on something and there is a bottoming out. I've been, as my dear friends, Clarissa, um, Ned, who's in the audience uh, know, I, I don't even want to go that route. But it's when you set yourself on a course and obstacles come up that start to drain your soul. That is a very a serious spiritual crisis for me. And what becomes a deeper spiritual crisis is when my personality versus my soul takes over. OK? That's where the crisis I'm not going to give you a bunch of like la-di-da's. Because I, 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 this is what's true with me. I really do have an interior code that I try to live by. Now, I try to live an inner congruent life. And what causes me a crisis is when I slip from that. That is a crisis. I don't need a great big huge example, because that, I, I because every day can, is it's difficult enough every day to get through and live a congruent life day to day. I don't, that to me is a more valuable thing for me to say to you. But when I find that my power has shifted so that I am living a day that is disempowering me as opposed to empowering me, then I'm in a spiritual crisis. Why? Because I know better than to do that. And then when I reach a point where I realize I know better than to do this and I keep it up, that is a spiritual crisis for me. Because I know better and I am choosing to keep that madness, to fuel the flames of madness. Now that's a spiritual crisis for me. And what's worse is, well I can give you an example of something as horrendous as the loss of my brother that everybody would sit back who's got half a heart and say, well, yeah, geez, uh -uh. uh-uh, let me go really on the other spectrum and tell you I can lose it over someone being late for an appointment. So let me be really earthy with you. And let's get out of the high voltage drama and get down to the earth and tell you that sometimes I can go absolutely into orbit Because I was there, and you weren't. All right, and all of a sudden, I'm spinning, thinking. And I I have to grab myself and think, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? What are you thinking? This is all it takes to cause you? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? And then I'll pull myself together. That, to me, is a crisis when I realize that that's all it took to gut me. That is a crisis for me. For me. Because I truly, truly try to live a congruent life.
1: So. That's a good. I, I like that you said that. It, not having to be high drama. Or, and put another way, it doesn't have to be a heart crisis, in order to draw a person out of themselves. It, you can trip over your own self in the morning, just like anybody else. I think. But your question, Elizabeth, I think is a is a good one. And it's like, what happens when all the chips are down? When everything's pulled away from you? When you have been betrayed left and right? And you have no resources, and somehow you still manage to stand. And you know. I, I wasn't kidding when I said, do you have all night and all day, because there have been quite a few circumstances in my life, and in Carolina's life also, where that has occurred. It's probably been more of a surprise than anything that I'm still standing. Um, I have hash marks up my left arm, starting at my wrist all the way up my arm from when I was 19 years old when I tried to take my life. I thought my life was over. And I thought there was absolutely no reason to live. And as a result of that, (laughs) what I learned about was the kindness of strangers. Even though I was surrounded by people who didn't care whether I lived or whether I died. uh, When I was at the hospital and they were sewing up my arms, um, the young intern who was a resident uh, was taken over by an angel. And he looked down on me, the way I remember him is, he's over, over me, his face is over my face. And he leaned down and he said, I want to tell you that God's saving you for something special. And in that moment my soul flared. Almost like someone had lit a wick inside of me that was dead, that had gone dark. And just those words, I find in my life that I have often lived on words, little words, little snippets of words that either I've heard, sometimes they were meant for someone else, not even for me. I remember when I was a child and I, I lost my family when I was four years old. They were deported back to Mexico and because I was born in the United States, my brother was born in the United States, we were adopted into separate families. And it was a horrible crisis of the heart for me, but at the time we were told that we were fortunate to have families, good Families that I was given, this mad, crazy Hungarian immigrant family (laughs) to replace my mad, crazy Mexicano family. (laughs) At any rate, even even in those times, there always seems that there has been someone who's played the role of an angel who's allowed angels to speak through them because they say wise things in that moment, and ten minutes later they're as stupid as stones.
2: Fabulous. So um, I would say that <laughs> god, I'm so tired and punchy. Oh god, go
1: ahead. Only be a little while longer. <laughs> you can hang hang in there. Um, this is one of those moments where you can lose it really like, oh, easily yeah, because you're tired. We're on the edge. Because you're very tired. So it's like being innervated. But um, I I think that is the thing that I would say most of all is that when the chips are down and nothing is there, in my life anyway, it's often come through another person who says some small set of words that awaken me or alert me or strengthen me just enough so that I've been able to make it through. Just enough. And sometimes it's not a person, it's a spirit that speaks. And I can hear as though they might as well be speaking right in my ear. Has helped immensely through my lifetime.
0: All right, I'm going to ask you one more question because I know we're all tired and we've got a big day tomorrow. So, Carolyn, you talked about how maybe we don't want to give up our fear because maybe we don't want to live that life that would be a fearless life. What does that life look like if we gave up fear? What would, we, what, would our, what would our lives look like? I want both of you, as a parting gift, to um, describe to us the fearless life.
2: Well, I'm not, you know what? I'm not, uh, the last thing I would tell somebody is it would be wonderful. It'd be hard as hell. It'd be the hardest life you'd ever live because a conscious life is not an easy life. It's a hard one. It is a challenging one. I mean, we've got mythologies that say, it would be so wonderful to be fearless. No, it won't. It'll be the hardest damn thing you've ever come near. Look at people who incarnated to to show us what the fearless life was like. They're on a cross, they're here, they're there. (laughs) I wish I'd said that. You know, I'm you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But come down here. I love what? this. I love this. They're on the cross, they're here or there. <laughs> but I'm good. Right. You wonder why I'm not getting up there, right? But but it reminds me of this joke. This Jewish man got in an the accident, they put him to a Catholic hospital. So acidic. Never had been anywhere near that. Wakes up in the emergency room, and sees a you know one of those bleeding Jesus on the, on the cross, a Latino Jesus, yeah. Yeah. bleeding. Right? He grabs this nun, and says, oh "My God, a man in that condition! You put on the wall?" <laughs> but anyway, uh-huh. anyway. guys we're getting came. but i wish i could tell you about this dinner party i went to that would have you in stitches but the to me you live a fearless life you live the toughest most worthy life you'll ever live you don't want an easy life you don't want a comfortable life you want a conscious life that's not an easy life if you think that you're in the game of consciousness so you have an easy life then Go across the street and eat, because that's not what this is about. It's not about becoming easy and comfortable. That's that's yeah. It's about becoming someone with a backbone who can who's who can handle fear, and it doesn't. It's becoming someone who could handle life with strength and stamina, and it doesn't overwhelm you, and you don't, it's becoming the person who doesn't need every comfort zone managed in order for you to agree to do something with your life. So that you, it's becoming strong, and strong means a lot's expected of you, period. There. (laughs)
0: Clarissa? Yes? Do you wish you you had said, go across the street and eat? No, but we're going
1: to. (laughs) You know, what I hope that you could see a little bit of is how much I love Carolina and how much she cares for me and how sustaining that is for us. Because neither of us have um, what I would call, uh, uh, no good deed goes unpunished, is how I would put it in a way, right? Thank you. (laughs) And uh, I think that um, Carolina summed it all up, really, uh, when she says that the way that we usually put it in our activist teachings, is that if you're not taking any heat, you're not doing anything. And if you're taking the heat, you're probably doing the right thing. Because if you're going to live in a way that mends up the world, at least the part right in front of you, believe me, someone's going to object someone's not going to support you, someone definitely is not going to love you, and in fact, you're going to make some enemies, and it's just a fact of life. And at first it's shocking, and then you never get used to it exactly, because you can't relinquish your sensitive heart. Uh, You can't put blinders and uh, Kevlar on your heart and function properly. But what happens is that you make friendships and acquaintanceships, that strengthen you so that when you are hurt or when you are harmed, you have el refugio. You have a refuge to go to in another soul, in addition to your own. So th- I would wish that for everyone, that you have at least one other besides yourself who you can go to as el refugio, as the refuge for your for your pain or your hurt.
2: Thank
0: you. Thank you for being our refuge.
2: Good night, everybody. Thank you night, so everybody. much. Good night.